0: Founderspace, mentors, and masters. I'm Captain Hawk, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. I am here today with Hall T. Martin, CEO of Ten Capital and host of Investor Connect. He runs Ten Capital, He founded it, and now it has over 12,000 investors and has helped startups raise more than 900 million dollars. Hall, wonderful to have you on
1: the show. Well thanks for having me, Stephen, I'm looking forward to our call today. How did you start Ten Capital? and what is your mission? I started angel investing in the early 2000s, and one thing led to another, and I ended up starting three angel networks in Texas in 2006, 7, and 8. And I saw the challenge that startups had in raising funding. You know, They, they didn't have the documents prepared, didn't know how to pitch, and nobody followed up. And so in 2009, I started the company under the name Texas Entrepreneurs Network, and we were trying to help them be better at raising funding and connecting investors to startups beyond the dinner club model we were using in the angel groups. So that's how we got started. And the goal was to really help make the process of raising funding easier and more efficient for both the investor and the startup. So what do you do differently? We have a plan now where we're at heart, we're running an investor relations program. You see investor relations for later stage companies, but you really, don't see that in the early stage or in the startup world. And so we're doing investor relations and introductions. And we have a program where startups come through and we make sure that their documents are ready. And then we make introductions to investors. And the the key to all of it is the third step, which is we follow up. We go back to those investors and we give them updates and reminders. Because when I ran those angel networks, what I saw is Entrepreneurs coming in and pitching to my room full of investors, 90% would go away and we would never hear from them again. Have no idea what happened. They just disappeared on us. 10% though came back, gave us updates, reminders, and on the fourth update, out came the checkbooks. Ah, you have to do more than just forecast a growth story. You have to basically demonstrate it with repeated updates. And you have to, you know, they say it takes seven touches to close a sale. Well, it takes seven touches to close an investor. And so what we're helping startups with is keeping that list of investors the same throughout the process, updating them, showing the growth story, making sure people understand you have it. Many people had a growth story. They just never came back and told the investor to never close them. And so that's the part we're doing. So this is key
0: for entrepreneurs out there. If they want to close funding, it's not enough just to go to the investor, give your pitch, walk away, hope the investor contacts you. Most of them won't do it. So periodic updates. Now, uh, what's the timing of these updates? You know, do they wait two weeks, two months between updates? What works best?
1: It's good to be consistent on it, and so every three to four weeks, you need to come up with a very short, to-the-point email, four, five, six bullet point lines, and say, you, uh, I gave you a pitch the, uh, recently, here's the progress that we're making on it, and it's the consistency that really drives home. It's people start to see, oh, they are steadily making their goals. They're getting there in sales, team, product, and fundraise. And those are the core four that you want to look at, because those are the things that you, the entrepreneur, are doing. It's not just what's happening in the market or what a competitor did. It's what you're doing. So after the first presentation, investors care only about your work and you have to show them that you actually are making good progress.
0: Basically, every time you hit a major milestone, hopefully you're doing this every three to four weeks, you can send out an update to the investors. I hit this milestone. This is on our list. And this is our roadmap of where we're headed.
1: That's right. And you have to show that you're getting traction in the core four because those are things you're controlling. A lot of startups want to talk about how big the market is or how big the problem is and so forth. But investors, once they know that, they really don't care about that anymore. They really want to see what traction you're making. And so my rule is whenever you contact an investor, you always have those core four things going. Now, it may not be big movements in every one every month, but something is moving among those four.
0: Now, let's talk about the core four. Can you dive a little deeper on them?
1: So sales is the key thing that people are looking for, that you're finding customer engagement, customer traction, people are buying the product, and you always want to bring up something that a customer is saying about your product every time you go to show that you are involved with the customer. You're not finding the customer, you have found the customer. Now you're actually going through the process of closing sales, you know, setting up new sales and so forth with them. Team is the other thing. Number one thing investors look for in a startup is the team. And so you always want to talk about not how great the people are, but what great things those people are doing. You want to say, I've got this great salesperson and he's doing this, 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 this out there. You show him in action, show him things are actually moving forward with him. And you want to demonstrate that they have experience and they have industry knowledge that other people don't have. So you want to show you have a great team. Next thing you want to show is the product. You want to show that the product is under development, is making progress. We're going from alpha to beta to MVP to final to version two, version three, and show that you're moving forward on the product front at some level based on what customers want. And then the fourth one is uh, investors. You want to show that investors are putting in money and you want to show investments at three levels, the interest, the committed, and the funded. So if I say I'm going to put in, I'm thinking about 50K, that's interest. If I say I'm going to put in 50K, that's committed. And if they actually put 50K in your bank account, that's invested. And you want to show all three numbers as you go through to give yourself credit for the pipeline of investors going through your deal, just like you have the product pipeline and the sales pipeline. You want to show the bigger picture to show uh, all the traction in it. The rule of pitching is if you don't mention it, it doesn't exist. You don't get credit for it. You have to mention it in order to get credit for it. That's really important. You made some great points there because I know a lot of
0: times I'll hear from an entrepreneur and it sounds great, but all of us are so busy that if it isn't something it's not quite there, it's not at that threshold where we're going to take action, we move on and then we forget about it. So them coming back to us, and I always, like you say, I always say, you know, they have to show us something tangible like real data, real numbers, what's really going on with their business, because that's where we get excited. Anybody can talk about the big idea, the big market, the dream, but the entrepreneurs that succeed, you actually see them making that progress towards those goals now. What are some of the mistakes entrepreneurs make, the things that they do wrong when communicating with investors?
1: Uh, Number one is they, they treat the investor like the customer. They want to tell the investor everything about the product. Here's how the product works. Here's why people like it. Here's how you use it. But in reality, that's just one of many things the investor needs to know. They need to also know about the team, They need to know about the monetization model, They need to know about the uh, growth rate of the company, they need to know about the competitive advantage. So you want to give a more holistic picture of the business when you pitch it and not just focus on the product because your business is more than just the product.
0: That's absolutely right. Now, we were talking earlier about biases. So can you give us a few biases entrepreneurs have that, Impede their getting capital?
1: Sure. So we've actually analyzed about 80 biases and have applied them into the startup world for either the startup or the investor. And one of them, for example, is the ambiguity effect. And if you go out to Wikipedia, you can actually read that the ambiguity effect is the tendency to avoid options for which the probability of a favorable outcome is unknown. Well, we all know that startups are risky and they make proposals about the outcome of their deal, but investors avoid engaging with startups when they do not have confidence about the proposed outcome. So as a startup, you should make clear what is currently known about the business and the potential prospects of the deal. By clarifying the risks associated with the deal, you can make it easier for investors to evaluate it. So removing the ambiguity and another way to say that is mitigating the risk is a key factor in working with investors investors. So you want to actually work with it. Another one is the Ben Franklin effect. Uh, you may have, may or may not have heard of this, but it's defined as a person who has performed a favor for someone is more likely to do another favor for that person than they would if they had received a favor from that person. So in other words, if somebody does you a favor, it's more likely that they will do you a favor again. So as a startup, if you find someone that's helping you, you can go back to them and it's more likely that they will continue to help you. So when you find good mentors or good advisors, good supporters, uh, don't just make it a one and done, keep going back. Back to them uh, many times. You may need to uh, provide something in return, but realize once you get it going, it's going to work well. Um, another one is the curse of knowledge. And this is something that I find almost everybody is susceptible to. The curse of knowledge is defined as when better informed people find it extremely difficult to think about the problems from the perspective of lesser informed people. So the key here is when a startup puts their pitch deck together, they often assume that everybody knows what they do. And I used to time startup pitches to see at which point in the pitch do I actually understand what they're doing? What exactly is the product? You know, they talk around it and they assume you know it. And sometimes you get it, but many times you don't. And so the advice here is don't assume people know what you're doing. In five words or less, tell them what you're doing in the first 30 seconds. We make radiation-hard memories great, now I know exactly what you do. And if, you, if the investor doesn't have that context, uh, it's, it's very hard for them to analyze or take in the rest of the deal. They really need to know the basics. You have to give them that context in order for them to mentally move forward in the pitch with your deal.
0: Those are fantastic pieces of advice. Now, where did the Ben Franklin effect get its name? I mean, we know Ben Franklin, but what's the history behind
1: that? Uh, Ben Franklin was the first one to come up with that in his almanac, and he would talk about how if you would go to a friend and the friend does a a favor for you, uh, that person will more likely do you another favor than if you go to another friend and you do a favor for them, they may or may not return the favor. So the idea is you find those who are really supportive and you keep supporting them. But he came up with that back in his day, and it's been used ever since. And in the startup world, there's many applications. Uh, getting help, help from the advisor is a good one.
0: Yep. I've noticed that in my life. You know, There are certain people who will do favors for you and nurturing those relationships is really important. Getting the most out of those instead of spreading yourself out over all these people who may or may not actually help you get to where you want to go. Another thing is you made a number of good points. And when you talked about pitching and getting your product defined right up front in the pitch so that somebody is crystal clear. Somebody who's never heard of your business before, may know nothing about your industry, is crystal clear on what you do within the first 30 seconds. That is critical. I can't tell you, I mean, I've sat through thousands and thousands of pitches and in a huge number of these pitches, halfway through the pitch, I still don't know what the product is. Or I may have an inkling of what it is, but it's fuzzy. And all I can do is all that other information, they're telling me about market size, sales, their team. In my head, I'm still stuck on, what is your product? So I'm not even listening to all the other information they give. So you're right on, like, just tell me what the product is as clearly as possible. Right up front, I can then start listening to everything else you're saying. I tell entrepreneurs that all the time. In this world, there's a lot of myths out there about fundraising. Are there a couple of bubbles you can burst when it comes to
1: myths? Yeah, there's many myths that that are out there. And one of them is is that you have to have high revenue or large revenue in order to raise funding. And what I always tell uh, entrepreneurs is that investors don't want high revenue in an early stage company. Your early stage revenue is always small. What they really want is predictable revenue. And what you should do when you talk to an investor is not talk about, revenue size that you have but break it down into unit economics you want to show how you have systems in place to acquire customers to service them to retain them and it doesn't matter what the the dollar volume is on the other side it's the predictability of it you want to show that i can do this consistently and i came to this once when i was talking to someone who had an online tool and he said he took five thousand dollars of his own money he bought a set of facebook ads and he was able to get uh, two thirds of them to sign up for the the download. Uh, Half of those people actually use the download. And then 10% of those people actually went on to buy his product, which came out to be about $10,000 worth on a $5,000 spend. And he's done this three times and got the same results over and over again. So what you want to do is show that you have a repeatable, predictable process, even at the very early stage. So when I talked, to entrepreneurs and they're saying, I'm doing these tests and I'm analyzing my acquisition with the certain process and I'm a- analyzing my retention rate and I'm tracking this and I'm tuning it, I know that's going to be a successful business at some level because they're doing it right versus I just uh, you know built a product, put it out there, but I really don't know if they're going to use it, when they're going to use it, why they're going to use it. And, and they should really test it out. And when you talk to an investor, bring the repeatable, predictable model to the table show that this is a money machine. And if you do that two or three times and show that it it replicates, now you'll find investors very interested because they know if they put money in, it'll go to be bigger and is repeatable and predictable is what they do. Recurring revenue is a key factor in here as well. If you have that part of your monetization, you'll find it a lot easier to sign up investors because you've demonstrated the acquisition system that you have. And most people want to just talk about the result, but they're not talking about the systems that lead to the result to show what you've actually built.
0: That is exactly what I like to tell entrepreneurs. And it's that basically what you said. Investors like me, like you, we want to be able to give the entrepreneur money in advance so that they can go out and accelerate their customer acquisition. But we need to know at the end of the day that those customers that they acquire are going to be profitable. So if they can demonstrate that to us, then we are much more comfortable in writing the check at the end of the day. I have one more question for you, and that is, what is the biggest challenge you faced in your life and how did you overcome it?
1: I think the biggest challenges I faced is working with uh, different partners over the years. Uh, some worked out well, and some did not work out well, and some you know became near-death experiences for the company. But we overcame them and worked on our way through it but the key is to understand your partners very well and make sure that you choose the right ones for your business going forward because it's a it's a make or break uh, part of the business is who who your co-founder is and who you're partnering with in the business It's the co-founder level that's a really key one and make sure that you you have the right one in place and you've tested them out for workability for workability for common goals, those type of things we need to figure out as we go forward. And then be very clear about what, what each person expects from the other. So I think that's the key thing is make sure you're partnering with the right people and you've done the homework before you go too far into your startup.
0: Yeah, I honestly believe that who you partner with is more important than what idea you start with. You can always change the idea. That's pretty easy. <laughs> but changing your partner, that can be hell. That yes. can destroy a company. Before we wrap up, Tell me what's the best piece of advice you've ever received.
1: So when I used to work for a company called National Instruments, you know, it was a company that was a very slow growth, but steady growth one day at a time. And I think that's the thing I've taken the, with me through my work at 10 Capital is that if I take a project and I break it down and I do something on it every day, very consistently, it's always successful at some level. If I take it and I do it once a week, it's less successful. If I take it and I do it once a month, it's even less, lesser successful. And so the key is you have to work on it every day and you take it one day at a time and you can build uh, extraordinary things from it over a period of time. And a lot of people just want to build it all in one day, but that that really isn't possible. Truly uh, ch- game-changing technologies and products take time, and you have to work on it every day for some piece amount of time.
0: Paul T. Martin, tell our audience where they
1: can find you. You can find our company, Ten Capital, at tencapital.group, T-E-N-capital.G-R-O-U-P, There's no dot-com on that. The dot-coms were taken up years ago. And if you want to listen to our podcast on Investor Connect, where I'm the host, it's InvestorConnect.org. It's a nonprofit and it's there for educational purposes. We have over 500 interviews up there and looking forward to your feedback on it. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button
0: and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.